For those of you that are visiting, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my privilege, literally privilege, to stand here and, uh, and, and give today's message. It's um, so exciting to see everybody here, starting off the new year, the third Sunday of the year, starting off the new year in worship and praise, uh, being here with our church family. Um, we are in a series called The Four Fears. Uh, four fears. We wanted to start off our, uh, our year-long theme, the adventure, with a series addressing fears that stop that adventure. Um, today, we're talking about the fear of ridicule. Two weeks ago, we started with the fear of failure. And that last week, we talked about the fear of pain or discomfort. Today, we're talking about the fear of ridicule. Um, but before we get into that, um, as Rob mentioned, we are doing a big facelift for our church to make our church um, more user-friendly, to make it, to update it. Um, and so next week will be a what we call Pardon Our Progress Week, okay? Um, we prob- the, the carpet probably won't, will not be here. Uh, the pews will not be here. The chairs will not necessarily be here. So what we need next week is for you guys to bring lawn chairs if you want. We have those black chairs. Bring them up here. It's going to be an informal kind of thing. No less powerful, no less uh, gospel-centered, but it's going to look a lot different for next week. Don't let that scare you. Don't stay home. Come on out and, uh, and, and see that. So just next week as a church, be ready for that. Um, also, to get something out of the way that I know a lot of people have asked me about, uh, this is the only time in church you will ever hear about this, because this is a worship service, and this is dedicated to God. This is the only time you'll ever hear about this. I'm making the adventure personal. Yes, I am running for city commissioner. If you want to know more about that, come see me. That's the only time you'll ever hear that on mentioned at church, okay? Uh, just because I've had a lot of people ask me about that. So we're going into our series on the four fears, and today we're talking about the fear of ridicule. And the main thing today is this, is that time and consistency silences all critics. That's what the main thing is. Um, what I've found is that the fear of ridicule uh, will stop us from doing that which God wants us to do is a powerful deterrent to doing the will of God. Um, Ridicule is a weapon used to keep you in your place. That's point number one. Ridicule is a weapon used to keep you in your place. The um, radical uh, community organizer Saul Linsky wrote in his book, Rules for Radicals, in 1971, he wrote this, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. It is almost impossible to counterattack Ridicule. He goes on to say, ridicule infuriates the opposition who then react to your advantage. And that is true. Um, The power of ridicule can be seen. Saturday Night Live, for the last, or as long as I've been a voter, has done an amazing job of ridiculing presidential candidates. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen those things. Um, Those of you who have been around for a few decades, I ask you, who said this quote? And I can see Russia from my house. Who said that? You know that two-thirds of Americans thought that Vice Presidential Candidate Sarah Palin said that. It was not Sarah Palin who said that. It was the brilliant actress, Tina Fey, who portrayed Sarah Palin better than any. I, mean, I thought it was amazing. But she's the one that said that. But two-thirds of Americans thought 
that Sarah Palin said that. I remember watching Al Gore and uh, debate George W. Bush in the very first uh, two, year 2000 presidential debate. Uh, Al Gore interrupted W. several times. Several times. That's kind of the hallmark of it. Um, the next, next Saturday night, SNL mercilessly mocked Al Gore. I don't know if you remember seeing that, by having a debate where Gore talked about how rude he was. That was all of his points was how rude he was. And, and there was a line that was repeated. Social media wasn't, back, wasn't on back then, but there was a, a line that was repeated on news where the actor portraying Al Gore interrupts um, uh, Will Ferrell, who's play, who was playing George Bush. He goes, um, I'd like to say two things as if it were my turn to speak. That was on endless news cycle, endless news cycle, endless news cycle. The next debate, people noticed that Gore was reserved, muted, and came across as timid. And there were some political analysts that thought his performances in the next debates is what lost him the election. The power of ridicule. During the 2016 campaign, one of the hallmarks of the Republican primary was the names that Trump gave to other candidates. See if any of these remind you of anything. Little Marco. Low Energy Jeb, Lion Ted Cruz. Then to describe the other side, Crooked Hillary, Pocahontas, Crazy Bernie. It's incredibly effective at marginalizing and isolating people, getting them to back down, to disappear, to be quiet. Don't ever miss the power of ridicule. It is truly the most potent weapon that people have to use. It's seen in the entire gambit of humanity. Uh, not only in presidential elections, but it's all the way down to elementary school. How do, when you, if you're in elementary school, if you're in school, how do the cool kids keep you in line? Is it physical threats? No, it's ridicule. You become a social outcast if you wear the wrong clothes, say the wrong things. The power of ridicule. You walk into any middle school, everybody looks exactly the same. They dress the same. Ridicule. And that's the way people keep you in line, insults. And it's nothing new. In the book of Proverbs alone, there are 16 references to mockers, people who use ridicule to intimidate and marginalize others. Proverbs 9, 7 says this, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults, whoever rebukes the, uh, the wicked incurs abuse. Proverbs 9, 12 says this, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Proverbs 19, 29 says, penalties are prepared for mockers and beatings for the backs of fools. And even Jesus was subjected to mockery and ridicule. In fact, their mockery and ridicule was in response to one of the most loving things a person has ever said. You look in Luke chapter 23, verse 32 through 37, says this, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him, being Jesus, there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So Jesus asks God to forgive the very people that were killing him. And what did they do in response? People stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Even the son of God was mocked and ridiculed. This series, we're talking about the fears that keep you from, from seeing life as a great spiritual adventure. And the fear of ridicule will stop you from following Christ. It will. It will stop you from pursuing your calling. It'll keep you stagnant 
inside. It will keep you paralyzed in life from doing the things that you know God wants you to do and embracing the adventure. In fact, ridicule is the most common form of persecution here in America. People scoff and say, you Christians have a persecution complex. You're no persecution here. Well, yeah, there is. Saw a post by a guy that said, you Christians really think you're persecuted? What a bunch of crybaby sissies you all are. What a bunch of, and he ratted off a bunch of swear words directed at Christians. And I I responded, I said, I guess some people just aren't very self-aware. And he goes, that's another thing that gets on my nerves. Not realizing that he was not very self-aware. See, guys, following Jesus looks ridiculous until... I want you to go to Genesis chapter 6 and 7. There's a guy named Noah. A lot of people know the story of Noah. Well, what you may not know is that Noah lived in the desert. You guys know what a desert is, a place that gets less than 10 inches of rainfall a year. There is no danger of a flood in the desert. People don't make boats in the desert. You don't need a boat in the desert. He started building this big boat. Matter of fact, it was called an ark. God told Noah to build an ark. And Noah said, right. What's an ark? And God said, make it 80 cubits by 100 cubits. And Noah said, right. What's a cubit? You can see the rest of that on YouTube. So here's Noah and his sons building a huge boat in the middle of the desert. Man, it must have looked ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I wonder how many of his neighbors came by, made some commentary on what he was doing. Now, it wasn't a whole lot to do back then. You know, Kentucky basketball hadn't started, so they, had, they couldn't sit around complaining about the refs all the time. What else was there to do? And yet Noah continued because he knew the future. He knew what was coming. Following God looked ridiculous, didn't it? Right up to the moment it started raining. And all of a sudden he didn't look ridiculous anymore. All the mockers, all the scoffers, all of a sudden they stopped, didn't they? See, following Jesus looks ridiculous until... It starts raining. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. And if you are a Christian in this culture, this culture that is running off a cliff, you're going to look ridiculous embracing the will of God for your life. While everyone is running off a cliff, you're running the other way, you're going to look ridiculous. That's okay. Don't follow the culture off the cliff. I like to take the mindset of Noah. See, Christ fulfilled more than 300 prophecies in his life. 300 prophecies he fulfilled. There's only one that he has not, that he did not fulfill. And that was the prophecy that he would come again. So if a person fulfills 305 of 306 prophecies, there's probably a good chance he's going to fulfill the last one too. Okay? Christ is returning. Some, if not many, believe very soon. Following Jesus looks ridiculous right up to the point he returns. 
Look how the Bible ends. I love this. This is whenever I'm, I'm, I face a fear of ridicule or anything like that, I always go to this verse in Scripture. It's Revelation 3, 21. After this lengthy monologue that Jesus gives to churches, he says this. He says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. <clears throat> Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. For those who endure till the end, who don't give in to the fear of ridicule and the fear of failure and the fear of <clears throat> and you push through, he will give the right to sit with him on the throne of heaven. And so knowing that, so what if they ridicule you for your faith? So what if they ridicule you for what you are doing? They are ridiculing, they are rejecting someone who is an heir of God. He, they are rejecting a person that Christ loves so much, they went to the cross and died for you so you could have eternal life. They are rejecting someone who's going to sit on the very throne of heaven with Jesus. We must live as people who believe Jesus will return soon. We must live as Noah, who knew it was going to rain soon, and pursue the, the path that God has for us, despite what anyone says. I wonder if as, as the ridicule and the mockery was hitting Noah's ears, I wonder what was going through his mind. I wonder what was going through his mind. I wonder if he smiled, a little smile, saying, soon, soon, Lord, you're going to shut their mouths. Soon, I know what's in your future. It's not good. I pity you almost. I pity the mockers because I know what's coming. And anytime someone mocks you for your Christian faith or for doing what God wants you to do, that's the attitude, we know what's coming. It's not gonna be a good day. Not gonna be a good day. The Bible tells us to live not as unwise, but as wise, because the days are evil. So the first thing we do is we take the attitude of Noah. We know what's coming. Then we move to becoming victorious over the fear of ridicule. This is how it's done. This is what I want to tell you today. This is how you combat the ridicule. This is how you overcome the fear of ridicule. There are three steps to it. Number one is this, is you keep showing up. Number two, you keep doing what is right. Number three, you sit back and watch what God does. You keep showing up. You keep doing what is right, and you sit back and watch what God does. What I found about ridicule is this. I'm a pastor. I've been ridiculed my whole life, Okay. I've been, I've, I've been either in the church and out of the church. I, people know that I'm a pastor. It makes people feel weird. I get ridiculed all the time. Uh, this is what I found. Ridicule is short-term. The people that are mockers and ridicule and mock you for your faith are, have short attention spans and low energy. They do not do it for very long. That's what I found. It doesn't last. Mockers and scoffers have a short life shelf, a shelf life. It's like a morning mist. That's there for a little bit and then it goes away if you don't quit. This is how you overcome the ridicule. You outlast it. You outlast it. That's how you do it. If you fade when someone ridicules you or mocks you, then, then you're not going to be victorious. You outlast it. I wrote this um, uh, a little bit a, a while ago. and I, I think it's very applicable for us today. I wrote this. I'm really into the Beachbody Shanti workouts. Uh, I've done Insanity and Asylum, which are both extremely difficult workouts, uh, especially for a 45-year-old has-been like me. And many times there's a strong temptation to just quit before finishing the workouts. 
And one of the nice things about those workouts uh, is that there's a timer at the bottom of the, of the screen, counting down the seconds and the minutes. You can see the seconds ticking away and the minutes ticking away. Uh, sometimes they're in a particularly strenuous part of the workout, 10 seconds seems like 10 years. A little while ago, uh, I wrote, uh, Rachel and I were working out and she was looking pretty exhausted that I'm, I'm about to give up look on her face. I looked at the timer and I said this, I said, there's only 15 minutes left, we can do anything for 15 minutes. I don't know exactly what the words that came out of her mouth meant after that, because they may have been spoken in some strange language or something unrepeatable in church. Uh, but she continued, finally the timer hit zero. We had outlasted it. One of the things that sports have taught me, you guys, is that many times you just have to outlast your opponent. Uh, that's one of the big keys to winning. You're, if you're up in the game, can you outlast the attacks until the timer expires? Can you make one more run down the field than your opponent can? Can you jump one more time uh, 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 more than your opponent can? That's how games are won, you guys. That's how workouts are done. You outlast them. The same principle applies to every aspect of our lives. I've realized that much success in life is simply outlasting your competition, outlasting the, critical, the critics, especially for the Christian wanting to live out the faith, faith on a daily basis. For example, if you can resonate with any of these, can you be patient longer than they can be annoying? Outlast them. Can you be loving longer than they can be hateful? Outlast them. Can you remain self-controlled longer than they provoke you? Outlast them. Can you forgive more times than they can hurt you? Outlast them. Can you stay silent longer than they can tempt you to outburst? Outlast them. Can you hold firm to your faith longer than they can complain about you? Outlast them. Can you keep going longer than they can to quit? Outlast it. Can you remain joyful one day longer than they try to bring you down? Outlast them. Can you be kind longer than they can be rude? Can you remain faithful one day longer than the, day to, than the desire to quit? One thing we found is that nothing, and hear me, nothing lasts forever. The temptation to commit adultery or look at porn eventually subsides if you outlast it. The hunger pangs, son, you have to have that extra piece of chocolate cake quickly subside if you don't indulge it. The impulse to buy that brand new thing you can't afford and don't need goes away very quickly when you walk away. Nothing, no matter how, what it is, lasts forever. Everything in life has a timer. The ridicule and the mockery lobbed towards you has a timer, and it's very short, outlasted. Back in the 1940s and 50s, Billy Graham thundered onto the scene with his gospel meetings. He received tons of criticism. I don't know if you know this or not. He received tons of criticism. He was written off. He was mocked, marginalized, insulted, and just about everything else when he, when he started his crusades and preaching events. How about now? Is there any pastor in America that's respected as Billy Graham was? He has, he has been spiritual advisor to presidents, to other heads of state. He's preached the gospel to more people and the, than anyone in history. Has earned the, he earned the title America's pastor. How? He outlasted his critics. He stayed faithful one more day than they could criticize him. And when, what can people say about Billy Graham? How do you criticize a guy who is so humble, consistent, and so faithful? Answer, you can't. He outlasted his critics. He stayed in the game one step longer than they did. That's the call to the Christian in today's world. Stay in the game one day longer than they can ridicule you. Stay faithful one day longer than the forces that oppose us. 
Stay faithful one day longer than the doubts that eat at us outlast it. Many times we quit right before there's a breakthrough. Some people say, call it quitting on the one yard line. We quit on the one yard line. Uh, many times, we've, had we resisted the temptation just a second longer, we wouldn't have fallen or stayed faithful one more day and forgiven just one more time, we would have experienced victory. Much of life simply outlasting whatever opposes you. Just like I told my wife, we can do anything for 15 minutes. Tell yourself, I can do anything for one more day. I can do anything for one more week. I can, I can, uh, I, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Whatever is in front of you, outlast it. Outlast the doubt, outlast the critics, outlast the tantrum, outlast the negativity, outlast the temptation, outlast the hate that's lobbed your way. That is the call of the Holy Spirit in his church in these days. The Bible says to him who overcomes, outlast it. And I learned something powerful in the life of Billy Graham, and that's today's main theme. And consistency silences all critics. When I was young, I cared what people thought about me. When I was middle-aged, I didn't care what people thought about me. When I got old, I realized people didn't think about me much at all. So, see guys, time and consistency silences all critics. Um, Tony Campolo uh, told a story. He was doing some ministry down in a third world country. It was, there was a, a fight between the, the um, I guess, the, the, the government and some communist uh, agitators trying to take over the, the government, trying to win the hearts of the people. And he was in, he was in a... Uh, uh, he was in a village handing out food. And every day that he was there, there were communist agitators coming in trying to get the people not to eat the food and, and, and everything like that, trying to take that away, trying to impose their will on the people. And he got to know one of the, uh, one of the, the, the communists that, that was there as a young man named Antonio. And the, the missionary who was, who was handing out the food, uh, Antonio was sitting there watching and Campolo needled him and said, hey, Antonio, people are getting a lot of the food. They really like that missionary. And Antonio looked at him and said, what can I say? He's earned the right to be heard. He had been doing the food deliveries for 10 years. And the people, because of his consistency and his time, had, had given him the right to speak the gospel it was only over time and consistency did he experience the victory because time and consistency silences all critics. I especially want to speak to the guys and girls, gals, that are in recovery right now, okay, that are just out of prison maybe or, just, or maybe just really messed up, okay? I want to speak to you guys right now. Uh, I know what you're looking at. You burned a lot of bridges. You really have. Uh, you've promised to change, but nobody really believes you. Uh, because they've heard it a thousand times before. And, and, and deep in your heart, you can't blame them. You know, you know that, that, that they're right. They've heard it a thousand times before. And you're facing an uphill battle. And, and maybe, maybe you're, you're just tempted to quit, throw in the towel. I'll always be an addict. I'll always be an ex-con. I'll always be whatever. You're wondering if it's worth it. You're tempted to give up. And every single time you make a change, every time you say something, every time that you come back to your family or to your friends, you get mocked, you get ridiculed, you get insulted. Let me tell you this, the time and consistency silences all critics. 
You stay faithful enough. You stay sober for 10 years. You keep a steady job for 10 years. You don't miss a weekend visit with your children for 10 years. Guess what everyone does? They stop because time and consistency silences all critics. They can't ridicule or mock or criticize because you've shown with your life, your time, and your consistency. That is the way to beat it. Not by getting angry at the people, not by getting angry or getting angry at God. No, it's by time and consistency, staying faithful, staying clean, continuing to do what you're supposed to do. You keep showing up, you keep doing what is right, and you sit back and you watch what God does. That is how you defeat that negative voice in your life. I, spe- I don't know why, I- Holy Spirit just told me to say that. Somebody needed to hear that today. That's not in my notes. That's, uh, somebody just needed to hear that today. One of the most ridiculed things I've dealt with was when I was in college. Um, I'd met my beautiful bride after freshman year. Um, we followed, we made a, a commitment to follow the Christian sexual ethic which is celibacy and singleness, fidelity and marriage. Um, and I was on the soccer team, and they were quite the womanizing bunch. And uh, college itself was a very um, promiscuous culture. And so, needless to say, I, there was no end inside of the ridicule that I took um, uh, for for waiting until marriage to have sex with my wife, or my, my, my then wife. I, my manhood was questioned. I was, I, I was laughed at, mocked, some in good nature, some mean. Um, for three years, I endured, I, I, I endured that. One of, the, uh, one of the worst guys was, uh, was our goalkeeper. Um, he, uh, he was quite the ladies' man, and uh, he really enjoyed having a laugh at my expense in that department. I've shared with you guys before the, the, that he, it wasn't even in the locker room, He's, he did it publicly. Uh, one time we were playing Oglethorpe University and, and uh, somebody kicked a ball and hit me right in the front. <clears throat> and uh, my wife and my grandparents and my parents and, and well, she's not my wife, she's my fiance at the time, um, and her parents were there. And our goalkeeper shouts out, for everyone to hear. Don't worry, Dave, you don't use them anyway. It was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> but that was basically, that's basically summed up three years of what I took as a college student. Several years later, many years later, about two years ago, I was just talking, was just chatting with this teammate. He's a father now, we're in our 40s, and he was, uh, we were talking about the alumni game, and I took a screenshot of our conversation because something happened that I didn't really think about. It says this, it starts that we certainly had a nice run, we were just kind of talking about the old days. I forget the game, but I can still see the volley you hit from 30 out into the 90. For, from, for those of you that aren't soccer players, 30, that from 30 yards out into the upper corner, the 90 degree, that's what that means. Uh, I was straight back, and the minute it left your foot, I started celebrating. I said, was that University of Greensboro? He goes, oh, that was a game we won, Swanee, our junior year maybe. And I said, I hated Swanee, dirty hacks. 
Now, the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. There's not a lot of love there, but a lot of truth, okay? They, 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 were, they were not nice people. Um, uh, he said, I still think we would have made noise in tournament that year as a solid team. I said, I agree. It still hurts to this day, honestly, but such an anticlimactic end to our amazing four years there at center. And then he, he completely changes. He says this. Well, I have to do Lanny at bedtime. That's his daughter. Want you to know I love a lot of your posts and share a ton of them with the, his wife, Nicole. We've lost six pregnancies, and a lot of your stories and posts really strike a chord that resonate. Really respect the man that you are. And I wrote, you're kind. Sorry to hear about your pregnancies. Losing children is the worst pain parents can go through. I'm right there with you, bro. Good talking with you, old teammate. Good bless. God bless. And he wrote, awesome to catch up. He said, not kind, just matured enough to acknowledge. Keep spreading the word. And then he wrote this, yeah, not the biggest fan of me from those years. But mistakes make us what we are now. Let's keep in touch. Take care. Some of your most vocal critics will become your most vocal supporters if you stay faithful. Time and consistency silences all critics. It may be that the people giving you the most difficult time right now are people that will be your teammates in a few years if you stay consistent if you don't quit i never in my life thought i would hear those words from that guy he's the least likely person I'd, i thought i'd ever hear that from time and consistency silences all critics you stay in the game. You stay faithful. You outlast the ridicule. You outlast the, 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 the criticism. <clears throat> and you will be victorious. Do not let the fear of ridicule sway you from doing what God wants you to do. Don't let the fear of what people might say stop you from doing that which God wants you to do. Remember, have the mindset of Noah. You know what's coming. You know that Christ is victorious. You know he is returning. It would be good for us to be about his work when it happens. This is the adventure. This is the adventure. We overcome our fear of failure. We overcome our fear, fear of pain and discomfort. We overcome our fear of ridicule so we can be the church and the people that God wants us to be. God bless you.